This last year um, has been kind of crazy. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's sure been a lot going on. And I can tell you that going into the year, I thought I had a much better idea of what was going on. And the further that the year went on, the less I believed of what I knew. I felt like I came out of the year with less unsure of more than I went into it with. Does <laughs> anybody else here identify, right? It's like, man, there's a few things I'm real sure of. And by the end of 2020, I'm like, well, there's a longer list of things I'm not sure of um, coming into it. But one of the things I kept asking the Father as we were going through this, and I'm sure you guys were experiencing something similar, is just, Lord, what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? What is going on? What are you doing in the nations? What are you doing in our nation? Um, you guys know that we're God's friends. In John 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves because slaves don't know what their master is doing, but I call you my friends because I tell you all things. And we see that. We have a friendship with the Lord where he likes to share with us what he's doing. Um, however, he's also the Lord, and he likes to share with us what he's doing in his own perfect time. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, he's really awesome about that. And sometimes he's, he's like, you know what? You have everything that you need to do exactly what I've asked you to do. And we're like, but what about that? And he's like, you don't need to know about that in order to do what I've asked you. And I feel like I've experienced a lot of that this year. And I think you guys probably empathize with that same, that same thing. But there was one thing that I felt that God did say over and over again, and of this I am confident, that this was a word from the Lord and what he was doing this last year. And I've been hearing it from many different prophetic voices at this point and many different, uh, you know, not regular, in, in regular conversation is the point that I was trying to say, in regular conversation from many saints. And, and here's what it is, that the Lord said, I'm humbling everyone. I'm humbling everyone. And I think you and I have certainly experienced it this year, right? Like how many th times have we been like, I know exactly what's up and I know exactly what's going to happen. And boy, that didn't happen. I know exactly how long this will take. Nope, take, took longer than that. Oh, this is going to happen. Nope, that also didn't happen. And in this, this year, I mean, we, it has tested us in so many different ways. You know, as, as a family here, we often say that, that, uh, that unity is not agreement, that we, we gather together because we're gathering around the fact that our dad sent our big brother Jesus Christ to die on our behalf. And Jesus Christ, he, died, he lived the life we should have lived and died the death we deserve to die. And he was raised again so that we could live the life he deserves to live. And he sent the Holy Spirit here to teach us all things. And we're learning from the scriptures together. And in those four things... We are family. We've been adopted into a family. But how many of you guys know we have unity in those four things? But boy, there are some things for us to disagree with that are not essential, right? They're not essential, um, and, but they're important. And we get to disagree over that stuff, right? You can just look at me and be like, Josh, I disagree with you half of the time. That's fine. I disagree with you even more. But we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures, and we gather around the gospel of Jesus Christ that we've been adopted into his family, and it gives us room to disagree and still remain in unity over the essential fact of who we are in God and what he will accomplish. And really, it's very humbling because this world is based on agreement or power, and if you have power, you make the other people agree or at least disagree real quiet. And that's the spirit of this world. But what, we, but what we're called to do is we're able to have unity 
while also having disagreement. Unity is not always agreement. But boy, how many of you guys have experienced that being tested this year? I mean, it was like, whoo, and it's still going on a little bit. But 2020, it was like, whoo. You know, families that are not having dinner with each other right now. There's, in fact, Jesus, we just pray for healing and restoration of families. But families that, that, that split apart in 2020 over finding that we, that, 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 that we thought we had unity, but what we actually had was agreement. And when disagreement happened, it split relationships and split friends and split in places that we actually don't have to have. And I have been asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's a, he's a graceful God. I just, want to, I just want to prophesy in the name of Jesus with his help. He's going to bring some of these broken relationships back together. Those things that have been split apart, God, he's bringing grace and he's going to bring them back together because he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. But what he is doing is he's humbling everyone. You know, the scripture says um, that God will shake everything that can be shaken and we're like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, like, Lord, shake up that person over there. They need shook. Shake them, Jesus. And he does. He starts shaking. And we're like, that's what I'm talking about. Ha ha. And then you're like, and you're like, oh, no, what's happening? And he's like, well, I'm shaking everything that can be shaken. And how many of you guys know if we're standing on something, if we have found our comfort and our confidence in something that's not God himself, when he starts shaking everything that can be shaken, that means that thing's going to get shaken. And so when you find yourself, it's scary. It's very scary. It's very, very scary. I wish I could think of a rhyme right now, but anyway. But here's the indication for us. In that moment, what we've discovered is that we're standing on something that can be shaken. And so what that is, is that's an indication to go, oh, I need to stop putting my hope in that thing that can be shaken. I need to stop resting my confidence and trying to find shalom from something other than the Father and other than Jesus Christ. And, and I need to step off of that thing and realize like, oh, that, and it, you guys, here's the thing. They're important things. We're not, these things that are shaking, they're important, but they're not the foundation. Christ is the foundation. So we can talk about them, but we can't stand upon them and make them everything. Are you with me? It's a matter of context. It's a matter of, 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 of putting things in the right order in your life so that you're not trying to make something foundational that's not foundational. Because when he starts shaking things, if your hope is in the economy, how many of you know you might get a little shook this year? If you, are, you, are you picking what I'm throwing down? Okay. You smelling what I'm stepping in? All right. All right. That's Bible. All right. I want to preach to you today. So, so, so I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just prophesying to myself to keep myself on track because none of that was the word. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you today out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. But God is humbling all of us. And we want to embrace that because, you guys, when God humbles us, it's an invitation to be elevated. It's an invitation to be healed and made whole and exalted with Christ. Jesus is the one that said, Father, I want to share my glory. So when God's humbling us, it's so we can be glorified with him. So when we're being humbled, just know it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's right there with when things are shaking and you realize you're shaking, he's humbling you so you can be exalted and set upon a steady place and exalted and share in the glory of God, which is to see his love in action. Amen. Okay, so if you're humbling everyone, Lord, and we thank you that you are, 
then we want to embrace that. We want to allow ourselves to be humbled. We don't want to take the bait. And I'm not going to go on and on because we've, we've already seen that. We just talked about that. We don't want to take the bait of offense. We don't want to divide over things that are superficial. We, I don't mean they're not important, but in, but in comparison to the riches of Christ and who we are as the body of Christ, these things are temporary and superficial. They are of less importance. Amen? And when we, when we start majoring on the minors, the enemy is, is taking advantage of us and he's making us divide. He always comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he knows that as we walk together in unity, he doesn't have a chance. But when we fragment, when we divide, when we become divisive, when we come under the spirit of this world, we talked about this last week, we need to be in the spirit of Christ, not the spirit of this world. Then he knows he can take more ground. Amen? So that's what we're resisting. So the Lord in his goodness is humbling us and he's humbling us in some places that honestly we felt pretty darn good about. I, I got to tell you, I was excited when I heard the Lord say, I'm humbling everyone. And I was like, yes, like just, I should have known something was up because it was the same way I said yes when he says, I'm going to shake everything that could be shaken. I should have been, but I'm a slow learner sometimes. It's like, yes, Lord, humble them. Lord, here's a list. Father, if you'd care to start there. And I honestly, I had a sense of comfort, like, oh, yeah, God, humble those people. And he just, of course, he's so good. What does he do? He started with my heart. He, did you guys, he has not entrusted me with other people's hearts. And so he began with my own heart, and he began to, <laughs> Marianne is clapping. She's like, yes, Lord, humble him, Jesus. You're next, Marianne, you're next. <laughs> me and Marianne have a special relationship. And if I have to repent, I'll do it later. Okay. I mean, I'll do it now, but I'll do it in person later. Can you guys step out for a minute? Me and Marianne need to talk. For... And so the Lord began to come, and he's like, okay, here's what I want to deal with in your heart. Here's what I want to deal with in your heart. And, um, and so I'm going I'm, to, so in the spirit of humility, so in the spirit of humility, in the spirit of understanding, God, what are you doing? What are you doing, and how do you want to do it? That's how I want us to receive this word. Does that make sense? Because he, he is. And how many of you would just say that this has been a humbling year for you? I mean, really, like, honestly, just raise your hand. Yeah. Where you, like, we came into this kind of cocky about certain things. And right now we're just like, Lord, turns out there's stuff that I thought was, like, totally fine. Like, and at this point, we're kind of in this place of, like, Lord, nothing's off the table. Like, this has been such a bummer. Whatever it is that you want to accomplish, just do it so that we can be on track with what you're doing because this, this is rough, right? We're just ready. There's a certain, there's a beauty, there's a goodness where we're just willing to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Because for me, I've experienced, I'll just tell you, I've experienced so many things where I'm like, Lord, just whatever it is, don't let it be this. And he's like, yeah, that's important, but not important enough for me to answer it this year. And I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? And he's done it again and again and again in my life, but here's what's been really cool is at the same time as he's been doing that, and I think you guys are probably experiencing the same thing, I've become more and more and more content that he is my only hope, that he is my only help, and a whole lot of things that I thought were absolutely like, this has to be handled right now. The Lord is going, no, it's important and we will handle it, but it doesn't have to be handled right now. Are you guys able to receive that? So spirit of humility. So then what do we do? What do we do right now? How do we want to roll? What's he doing? Well, he's humbling us. First Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You guys are familiar with what's going on here. You remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to summarize fairly quickly here. Sodom and Gomorrah is a, is a city that is filled with sexual depravity, terrible care for the poor, and horrible treatment of the foreigners that are among them. So they've got lousy justice, they treat the poor terribly, and they're completely sexually broken. Remind you of anything? And God says, I'm going to go and I'm going to let Sodom and Gomorrah reap what they've sown. I'm going to let them receive the just punishment for the way they've been acting. They're actually going to receive the right thing based on what they've done. Are you guys with me? Which means I'm going to destroy that city for that particular city. That's how bad it had gotten. That justice meant you, you've actually forfeited your right to even be here anymore. And, but before he does it, he says, shall I not tell my friend Abraham what I'm up to? So he goes to Abraham and Abraham, you guys know the story. He says, well, what about this, Lord? You wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked, would you? That's not like how you roll God. And God goes, well, you're right. That's not how I roll. Abraham says, how about for 50 people will you save the city? He couldn't find 50, so how about 40? Couldn't find 40. How about 30, 20, all the way down to 10? And he couldn't find 10 people in the city. And the city was about, I think it's about 600,000 people. So think about the, 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 the ratio here of people that will call upon the name of the Lord versus people that aren't and that are engaged in all this wickedness. But God's saying, for this tiny amount of people, I would rescue the whole entire city. And as we know, unfortunately, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. But Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the moral of the story was that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't destroyed because of their wickedness so much as that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because you couldn't find 10 people that were calling out to God in it. There weren't 10 righteous people there to restore the city. Are you guys seeing that? So I, I give you this as a backdrop right now because we're talking about 2 Chronicles 7.14 and we live here in America and America has some really great things going on and America has some sins that are happening at the same time. Now there are those that, that would say, hey, America is coming under judgment. Well, the Lord is the Lord and I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have an opinion about that. But I know that we've reaped some really bad things I'm sorry, we've sown some really bad things and there is a law of sowing and reaping. But at the same time, I know this, I know this, that God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them and I will come and I will heal their land. And we have a, we have a principle that we've seen in there that God has said, you are the salt and you are the light of the world. You are like yeast, which gets into the loaf and it spreads out through the whole loaf and everything rises. You and I have a mandate to preserve salt, to preserve our cities and our nations. And we have a mandate to be yeast, to cause everything to get better, to rise. And that's what we're doing. So when we look at this, I just want to give you this. I want you to be imagining this and I want you to understand that you and I have authority we have power from God delegated to do this very thing, to intercede for our nation, for our cities, for our states, and see God move. And we have a precedent that God always wants to redeem. 
And so that's what we're living right now. That's where we are. So, so for those that are saying like, hey, you know what? We're coming under judgment. Well, maybe we are. Maybe we are, but here's the good news. We know the judge, and he says, listen, you can intercede. You can come in here, and I want to heal the city. I want to heal the state. I want to heal the nation. And, and we see the math that he's cool with. If you got 600,000 wicked, but 10 people that will pray, he'll spare the whole thing because he knows his kingdom is so powerful and so beautiful and so winsome that in a little bit of time, those 600,000 people will be living in the kingdom in a way that they weren't even asking for yet. Amen? So that's the invitation. So let's look at 2 Chronicles 7, 4, Sonic Chronicles, <laughs> that as well. If my people, now there's something about this that we do have to catch, okay? You have real power, you have real authority. This is a real invitation for us to engage. So let's look at what it is because it says if, it says if. It doesn't say, it says if, that's what it says. I don't have to say what it doesn't say, I don't know. How many people are up here? Okay. If my people who are called by my name, it doesn't say if the wicked turn around and pray a different prayer or do a different thing. No, it says if my people, if my people who are called by my name, that's us. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. It's me. Say, it's me. All right, you guys are all telling the truth. Praise God. So if you'll do that and humble yourselves. Well, this year, praise be to Jesus, he's given it away for free. About everybody in here is feeling pretty humble, I dare say. And let him do a deep work. Let him do a deep work. There's a grace that he gives to humble us. We make a choice to say, God, will you humble me? We also make a choice to say, I will humble myself. And with his grace, we get much in a much better place than we could on our own. Okay, our humility is great. He, he's not violating our self-will. So we say, yes, please humble me. And we embrace it. But then we need his grace to be humble like Jesus. He's forming Christ in us, okay? So we humble ourselves. The, the word humble means to be subdued brought down, be under, be brought into subjection. We say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be brought into subjection to Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to be like Jesus is. I want to think like Jesus thinks. I want to love like he loves. Amen? So we're saying, I'm, I'm not saying my will. I'm not saying my opinion. I'm saying your opinion. And I'm being specific about that. Lord, wherever there's two opinions and one is mine and one is yours, let's go with yours. Come on, thank you. All right, thank you, Nikita. Come on. Two meetings now after church. One with Marianne to repent, second one to high-five Nikita. Now he says, I want you to do this. I want you to humble yourself and pray. And pray. I not, don't have a sermon about praying, but it's a good thing to do. And after you humble yourself, your prayers are going to be a lot better. Because praying is different than cursing. Amen? Amen. Mm, just let that one sink in. Just let it sink in. Without wrath, without malice, we pray. Right? And seek my face. Now, this is where I want to drill down a little bit today. And seek my face. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar. There's a book that was written called The Quest by Rick Joyner. How many of you have heard of Rick Joyner? Yeah, he's a fairly well-known author, and he's a very prophetic guy. He's, he's a solid guy. Um, and uh, 
and I was preparing this word, and then I ended up stumbling upon, uh, I, as I was, as I was uh, researching, I stumbled upon something he had said, and it was very confirming and affirming, so I'm going to share it with you. And, uh, and it also cut right to my heart, so it was just super fun, like what you know, we're seeing, right? Amy comes in here and writes a dance about what the elders are hearing for the church. I'm getting ready and preparing a word, and I get a good word. How many of you guys have that happen, right? It's like everywhere you turn, language of the Spirit, where the Lord's just affirming what he's saying to you. So he was affirming what he was saying here. As I was listening to Rick, he was praying and, and speaking with Jesus and spending time, and, and, um, and he was asking him, like, Lord, why haven't you done more right now in our nation? Like, isn't more prayer going on right now than we have seen in, like, Forever. I mean, there's more, not forever, but like in recent history, like honestly, there are more fasting and prayer movements going on in the earth than I've seen in my whole lifetime. I mean, I'm only 44, but come on. I mean, that's still a pretty big deal. There are people fasting and praying. There's like 24-hour prayer times going on. There's prayer going on all over the place. And, and Rick's saying, God, why, why aren't we seeing more of you moving in specific ways. It feels like, you know what I mean? In some ways, it's like, why isn't there more going on? The people are humbling themselves. They're fasting. They're doing concerted prayer. And yet, and the Lord said, that is true. There is more humbling and prayer going on right now than in recent history. And it's, and it's great. But there are very few people who are seeking my face. And when he said that, I was just cut to the heart. I was just cut to the heart because I was guilty. <laughs> How? How, Joshua? Repent to us. I'm glad you brought that up. What's interesting about this, about seeking his face, because again, these are the conditions for what God is asking from his people so that he can do what he said he would do. It says, because we've got, if you do these things, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive your sin and heal your land. If you do this, I will do this. He's saying this is the agreement. This, how many of you guys understand this is a relationship with the Lord? He's given us real authority and real responsibility, and it's all delegated from him. So we don't get to use his authority or the responsibility that we've given outside of the spirit that he's given. We don't get to violate the relationship and still be able to accomplish what he asked us to do. We have to do it the way he does it because he's chosen love and righteousness and mercy. So we, don't, we, we have to operate that way. So I have to take responsibility and say, okay, if you want me to do this, I have to do it your way. Because you guys, God cares just as much about where we're going, and he, just, he cares just as much how we get there. He's not a the, means ju the, the end justifies the means kind of God. Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? And so what is this part about seeking his face? Well, as it turns out, the times that I've been coming to him, I, I have, I mean, before you freak out, I have sought his face a couple of times this last year. <laughs> Hopefully more than two. I for sure did it at least twice. I wish I was joking. I don't know how many times I've actually done it. It's actually a mainstay of my life, but I'm confessing to you that in this last year, in the very beginning, I did spend time seeking his face. It was wonderful. So it was an extended amount of time. I fasted for, I, I did an extended fast in 2020 and I had an incredible time meeting with the Lord and it was beautiful. And I don't know what happened. I don't know why I did it. But after that time, I did a lot of really good things. But somehow in it, 
I stopped seeking his face and I was seeking his hand. I was seeking an outcome. I was seeking the peace of our nation. I was seeking healing for people that I love. I was seeking that we would see revival. I was seeking a lot of really great stuff, but I can tell you that somewhere along the line, I stopped seeking his face. So you can just write off everything I shared with you last year. I'm just kidding. He's too good, he's too good to, to do it like that. But I got, I got robbed. I got robbed. And to some degree, I'm sure you got robbed. He's so merciful, it probably was very little, but here's why. When I seek his face, I reflect who he is. When I'm seeking something else, I reflect something else. We can only reflect what we're looking at. And how many of us, I, 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 this is a word for us. I'm confessing my own sins, but I'm, I'm quite sure many of us are finding ourselves in this word and going, oh my goodness, I have humbled myself. I have prayed, but I have an outcome that I'm looking at a whole lot more than a God who I'm looking to. I'm seeking an outcome. I'm seeking a kingdom, but I'm not seeking the face of the king. Somewhere along the line, this has become utilitarian. Somewhere along the line, this has become a mission without a relationship. Where I know about you, but I haven't seen you for a while. And, and this is the call. This is the call to us today is to say, Lord. The psalmist, he, the psalmist is, is actually quoting 2 Chronicles 7.14. David says, when, they, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, Lord, your face I will seek. May we say, Lord, your face I will seek. Because I can only reflect what I'm looking at. And here's the question right now, and I want us to take a moment. I want us to take a moment and we're going to just do business with the Lord right now and, and continue this on. Continue this on because it's a call back to him. But just to realize this, has anything gotten larger in my view than his face? You guys know what I mean by that. Has something else fallen in front? When I come to the Lord, I have an agenda that I'm, that I'm working on. It's subconscious, honestly. It's subconscious. It's not like we come to the Lord and be like, I don't even want to talk to you. I just want to do these things. It's just that unfortunately, even though that's not necessarily our attitude, we end up doing it. Lord, here's the list of things I've got going on. And he's like, do you want to look me in the eyes? Did you want to talk at all? Yeah, I want to talk. <laughs> I want to tell you exactly what I need you to do so I can feel safe. I need you to do this so I can feel like, like, like I'm not completely out of control. I got a list of things I, and I read my list. And so here's some things. That, that here's a list of things that I think probably are rather common. Let me just read them. And they might be good or they might be bad. That's the other thing. That's the hard part about when we stop seeking his face is we come to him with a list of good things that we want him to do. But even in that, then I'm reflecting a mission and I'm not reflecting the person. I'm not reflecting my dad anymore. I'm not reflecting Jesus, my hero, my big brother anymore. So what's gotten larger in view than, than his face? Is it fear? Is it finances? Is it politics or a political spirit? Is it the future? Resentments against others? Is it anger? Is it justice? Is it race or class or economics? 
Fill in the blank. Whatever it is, it might be good, it might be bad, but if it's gotten in the way of me just seeking his face, then it becomes what I reflect and how I interpret all other things. I want you to just take a minute. You can, you can close your eyes if you'd like to, but we're just going to take a moment. Holy Spirit, Father, show us by the Holy Spirit what God has come in front of seeking your face. As he begins to bring those things to you, just ask him, Father, what do you want me to do with this? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. As you continue this week, you're going to, one, you're going to be seeking his face. And I encourage you to continue to even begin just as a practice, say, Lord, as I come to seek your face, before all things, show me is there anything that's fallen in front. Show me of whatever it is because I want everything to come second to you, Lord. Love him with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and then love your neighbor as I love them. You and I have nothing to give unless we've first seen him. If we're not aware of his presence, we have nothing to give. So let him continue to bring that up. It may be unforgiveness. It may be pride. It may be all these things. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It may be really good things. But just let him show you where to file that. Lord, what do you want me to do with this right now? And he'll show you. He'll show you what to do with it. And then we turn from our wicked way. Where have I compromised? Holy Spirit, show me my heart. If you and I don't have a clear vision a clear view of him, seeking his face. We're already compromised. So it means that we've already been doing some things to the degree we haven't been seeking his face, we've been medicating somewhere. Because if you, we can't get comfort from him and we're trying to give with energy we don't have, we're going to be needing some medication. Might be chocolate, might be jerky, might be sports, might be gaming, you know, the really evil stuff. Or it might be the regular stuff. Too much drinking. The list goes on. 
So we turn from our wicked ways. You know, wicked ways, when you think about sin, wickedness, it's taking the gifts that God gave us and receiving them in a way that's outside of how he wanted us to receive them. You know, you think about what is pornography? Pornography is taking this gift of sex that God gave us and then applying it in a way that's outside of intimacy, relationship, communication, and covenant. But you are designed, unless you've been given the gift of celibacy, and some of us have, but unless that, you've been given that gift, you were designed to seek that level of intimacy and relationship that gives you that gift. And the enemy comes and he says, well, do, take it in this wicked way. So we turn from those wicked ways. We turn from those wicked ways. And I want you to know, right in this time, okay, we have some incredible ministry here. If you're, if you're in a place of sexual brokenness, whether you're male or female, whether it's affected you because your spouse has, has been addicted or maybe both of you, there are on-ramps. You can go to the website and click on that. You can talk to myself or, or, um, or Janelle or Karen or Mark, and we want to help you get onto the path of freedom. Turn from that wicked way if that's the area. There is no shame in this house. There's no shame in this. You guys have heard my testimony. My testimony involves coming out of sexual brokenness. I've come up here and confessed these things to you. This has been a part of my journey, being released from that terrible addiction. It's so powerful. It's so prevalent. And, and God brings freedom, and he brings a relationship at the same time. He's such a multitasker. It's all within the discipleship of following him. If you're broken in that place, hey, come get healing. Come get healing. Break out of that. Turn from your wicked way. If you're in any place of brokenness, if you're, if you're stuck and you're emotionally not able to walk out of something, maybe, maybe it's unforgiveness or a resentment, come meet with us. We want to help you. We, we have a sozo ministry to help you with inner wounds and to walk through some things. Come. Come get healing. Turn from being stuck. Turn from anything that would hold you back. Come talk with us. If it's, if it's another kind of addiction, we, we partner with, uh, with um, Celebrate Recovery. You know, if it's, if, it's, if it's alcohol or drugs or whatever, whatever that medication is, turn away from that. Turn away from that. God doesn't want you to be stuck in that. And there's no shame here. We're all here to help each other get out of whatever rut we're in. Come on. This is a really good place to fall completely apart. You'll just finally fit in. And then we'll walk out together. But he's saying, turn from those things. Turn from those things. So if that's you, turn out, turn from those things. And he says, and then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. And I will heal your land. This is the invitation. This is what God's calling us to right now. This is, this is the call to his, to, yes, to his bride, but certainly to this family. You guys want to do this? Want to do this together? He's a good father. So this week as we, as we continue on, bring that into view that we would be those who, who are hearing him say, seek my face. And our heart says, Lord, your face I will seek. Your face I will seek. And anything else that gets in the way of that, just show me how to deal with it. You just got a whole bunch of on-ramps right here. But the Lord wants to walk us through this together. Amen. I love the priestly blessing that we so often Share, and I'm going to bless you right now. But listen to what it is. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Shalom is peace. 
It is everything in its place. It's everything that you need. It's wholeness together and fullness, the favor of God. And where does it come from? It comes from us having the face of God shine upon us and us looking into his face, his countenance, and then receiving that, and then we reflect that into our cities and into our land. What a beautiful call. May it be unto us as he says. I love you guys. Let's go shine.